Live free and stand firm. You might think that I'm about to give you a conservative political sermon. But I'm not. Those are words that Paul wrote under the inspiration of our Lord Jesus. Father, we've already prayed a few times this morning, and we're glad that by your Holy Spirit you're here with us and in us. And I just want to pause and say again, we love you. We're thankful forever, grateful to you. And we ask us now, or we ask you now to uh, help us understand your word and more than just understand, help us to apply it to our heart and how we live our lives. I ask in Jesus' name. So Galatians, there, there probably aren't a lot of pastors who would attempt to cover the book of Galatians in a half hour. And so, as when we finish today, know that there's a lot more uh, that the Lord would teach you through this book. This morning, we're just going to look at some highlights, and I hope you're blessed by that. Today's message is intended as a plain and simple encouragement from the Word of God. Encouragement to live free and stand firm. For the next few minutes, we're going to pretend that we're first century Galatians. We're the brothers and sisters of the way. Some of you, I'm sure, are familiar with that phrase. It is how the Christians referred to themselves. The name Christian actually began as a slur against those people who were following Christ. We're meeting in the various cities in the Roman province of Galatia, which is now called Turkey. Actually, as of just a few months ago, uh, we're now, I think this happened at the UN, uh, the ambassador from Turkey insisted that everyone stop calling them Turkey. We are Turkia. So if you see it happening in the news, uh, that's why. That's the way they say it. And uh, okay, we can do that for you. By personal courier, we've received the letter from Paul, who is the first person to have told us about Jesus and what Jesus had done for us and how we could be forgiven and how we could rest in the sure hope of eternal life. This letter has come by courier. Probably didn't show up at the church building. In fact, they were probably meeting in homes. It probably came to one or more of the elders, and when they got the letter, of course, they would be a little surprised. You don't get many letters in that time. And the Apostle Paul had taken the time to write to them. I would guess that they were excited about what they're going to hear. Oh, Paul, he loves us. Can't wait to read his letter. So, now the elders have read the letter to everyone who will have a chance to hear it and and read it 
before they copy it and then send the original on to the next congregation. It's a different time, isn't it? The words of this very letter, the four and a half pages uh, in my Bible, it was probably more pages at that time because, you know, handwriting. And it was Paul's writing, so they were big letters, right? He's told us that he uses the big letters because he's having a hard time with his sight. We now call that letter the book of Galatians. They're words of credential, Paul's credentials. They're words of doctrine. They're also words of surprise. Not exactly a happy surprise. They're words of explanation and they're words of astonishment and admonition and advice and blessing. This little letter is an important reminder of God's gift of freedom in Christ and his plan for how we're to live as the functioning body of Christ on this earth. We are to be unmoved by new claims of alternative views of salvation. The Galatian letter has been needed, desperately needed down through the centuries as fakers and deceivers have tried to hijack the flock. The letter to the Galatians is one of the all-time best defenses of the sufficiency of Christ and the finished work of the cross. Was the first century AD the only time we needed to worry about somebody messing up the doctrine of the faith? The words of Jesus? No. 600 years later, a guy just from the neighboring country over from, uh, from Israel, a guy from what we now know as Saudi Arabia, uh, he had... He had a revelation. We'll talk about that a little bit more. So the context of this, this letter is Paul, the former zealot for Judaism, who was arrested by Jesus and transformed by Jesus and commissioned by Jesus by the risen and glorified Jesus himself. You can find out more about the details of that happening. Acts 7, 8, and 9. Please don't turn there now. Paul, the student of God's Holy Spirit, his head and his heart reorganized by the Spirit's guidance through Scripture. He had always been able to read the words, but it took the Spirit's guidance after Jesus' revelation to equip Paul for service. Galatians 1.1. Paul tested and approved by Peter and James. Which as I looked at it, I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. This, this may have been the first ordination examination by the church. They wanted to know what Paul was preaching. How well do you understand the gospel our Lord brought to us? Paul spoke plainly, I'm sure. 
and they gave him the right hand of fellowship. The ones who had been with Jesus in person for all those years, for three years, said, yeah, Paul, you got it right. Paul, the missionary, Acts 13 and 14, three church planting missionary journeys. The setting, of course, back to first century Turkey. <laughs> Turkey. So here we have the founder of our fellowship waiting to tell us, or writing to tell us that we've been manipulated by fake brothers. The brother part of which he clearly says was a lie in verse, chapter 2, verse 4. These false brothers have been teaching us that our salvation depends on faith in Jesus and keeping some of the, mo- the law of Moses, specifically in this case, circumcision. For us, circumcision represents anything that people try to add to the scripture to say, yeah, you also need this other thing too. Some of us have believed, some of us here at First Century Church, have believed the usurpers and are worried about our salvation. Oh, maybe I'm going to have to get circumcised. Just just to be sure. Let's look at how he starts his letter to us in Galatians 1, 1 through 12. Okay, I'm going to read a little bit here. Uh, I'm reading out of the ESV. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And the congregation is smiling. This is so nice. Praise God. Next paragraph. I'm astonished that you were so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Well, um, no, we're not. I don't think, are we? Not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Wow. Strong words. As we have said before, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, Let him be accursed. Hmm. It wasn't just the Nicolaitans or the Judaizers that were the tool of the enemy of God. This has been happening down through 2,000 years. I mentioned Muhammad, came out of Arabia. 
He had a new gospel. What was his justification for the new gospel? An angel. Uh, Specifically in the language, a jinn. He told everybody freely that he went into the mountains and, and went into the caves and stayed there and meditated. And suddenly, here before him was a spiritual being giving him a new gospel. Of course, the being said, yeah, uh, the Bible is good, except it was polluted. It has been distorted, and I'm here to clear up the problems. Here is the new gospel. He bought it. Lots of people bought it. And down through the years, we now have more than a billion Muslims. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Another version says anathema. Very strong language. If Muhammad was the only one, that'd be nice. If it only happened in the first century and a few centuries thereafter, that would be nice. But it's happening even today. We have people in our Western societies who are promoting the idea that, well, God is God, yeah, but so are you. It's good news, it's the gospel. You're God too. You just need to step into it, to take hold of it. Really? Where did you get the authority to say that? Can you think of another group, another guy, who listened to an angel and created a new gospel? Joseph Smith. Good call. Yeah. So this is not advice to a group of people who are dead and gone and it doesn't really matter that much anymore because it's all settled. No, it's not. And there are things happening around us and in our society that are trying to reach out for you. If you want, you can even find people who are saying that Everything that we see was a product of our planet being seeded by an alien race. And they're good, and they're nice, and they're helping protect us, and one day they will reveal themselves. And others saying, yeah, actually, the things that we have in Scripture... That was a simpler people's explanation for what we can now understand through science was actually alien life creating a new world. Welcome. Make sure you welcome them when they come. It's on and on. It's in books we read. You know, I was thinking about this and I thought, 
Okay, there are things that we are to avoid that are sin. We'll talk about that a little bit later. They're not good for us. And we can find books and magazines and, and uh, cultural things, plays, and, and especially music, that are tempting us into sinful actions. And there are others that are tempting us to believe a new gospel, a different gospel. And the words don't sound bad. But if they're trying to push Christ aside and establish something new, then that is anathema. We are to walk away, have nothing to do with it. Do not participate in it. And this comes to us in ways that are kind of disappointing. I'm going to pick on a music group from the 60s and 70s and You all know them as the Beatles. And that early Beatle music, wow, that was fun and had a great beat. And and a lot of people can still remember the words to a lot of their songs. But then they also put out there a new way of looking at where we came from and where we're going. You remember the song, Imagine? Imagine all the people. Living in the world. And we're going to have no God and no religion. It's going to be wonderful. The Beatles. Like, why'd you have to go there? Are they alone? No, there's a lot of bands that pour out music and some of it's fun to listen to and then they'll throw in something that is clearly from the enemy of God trying to tear Christians down, trying to weaken your belief. Let's look now at Galatians 1, 1 through 12. We've read that. Paul's not just some guy. He was commissioned by Jesus himself. Grace and peace to you. Thank you. Paul is speaking the truth in love. He doesn't want to tear them down. Grace and peace to you. And then he expresses that he's just astonished that they could be, their, their roots into, into Jesus Christ were so shallow that they could be pulled away to believe something else. In chapter 2, Paul is explaining to us that even if someone is considered important, they are not to be believed or followed if they try to add something to the pure and simple salvation by grace. And he's, uh, he's trying to tell us it doesn't matter who might say this thing that's false. Verse 11, But when Cephas, Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came 
When they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, there's the key, there's the measurement, that's what defines whether we're in Christ or falling away. It was not in step with the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? It begins with Peter came to Antioch. There's a guy you should listen to when he talks, right? This is Peter. One of the 12. Always the leader type. I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Did he do it spitefully? Was he picking a fight with Peter? Did he want to tear Peter down and lift Paul up? No. I'm sure that Paul was able to say the hard things with grace, but speaking the truth and not backing down. We can live like this. Again, in verse 14... But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, sometimes we have to confront misleading words. If you find yourself having to do that, please do that in grace. That's the way our Lord does it. We need to follow after him. Sometimes we can thwart the grace of God without even realizing that that's what we're doing. I don't think that James and Peter meant to oppose God's plan, but that was the result of their concession to social pressure. That's what it was, social pressure. You ever been tempted to give in to social pressure? And let misleading words go unconfronted? Or to try to just water down the gospel so that people will like you? Or at least so you can just get along? I'm not suggesting that we have to confront unbelievers with their statements. With the unbelievers around us, We need to start with the gospel, not with condemnation. They ignored their freedom in Christ for the sake of being accepted by those still in chains to the law of Moses. It's a bad idea. It took Jesus' literally torturous death and resurrection 
to buy us freedom. Really, are we going to give that up? That would really be foolish. The next chapters detail the following thoughts and lots of others, but I've just picked a few. Freedom does not mean do whatever you want. That's not freedom. That's living in chains uh, crafted by this world. Freedom and guidance from the Holy Spirit of God means not do what you want. It means do whatever God wants. And maybe our occasional problem is not distinguishing well enough between what we want and what God wants. Does it mean that we're expected to live in dangerous territory? Yep. Yep, we're on the narrow way, right? It's dangerous. Yes, we're not alone. We're here to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. As we continue, let's see how these thoughts are explained in the letter as we look to the words themselves. Galatians chapter 2, 19 through 21. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Did a song come to your mind? Yeah. Make sure you have music in your life that leads you back to the words of our Lord, that encourages your life. And the the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. There was no point in him dying. But he was necessary. It means that my life is now in, in Christ Jesus. I need to act like him, which is not the same as acting according to the law. We've got to know the scriptures. We've got to know the scriptures and then live by them. Live by the spirit, which is what Jesus did continually. In John chapter 5, we're told something really odd And I think it must have shocked the people who heard it first. Jesus said, the son can do nothing of his own accord. What? Wait a minute. You're doing miracles. The son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. Huh. And then he tells us to be like him. How are we going to do that if we're trying to do that on our own? I can't see the Father, but the Holy Spirit can communicate what God wants. 
if you begin your day just intending to get through the day, it's not really enough, is it? Can we really learn to be like Jesus? You'll never know until you lay down your own agenda and start looking at the world around you with the eyes of the Spirit of God. What does Jesus want in this situation at work? You know what you want. Have you ever asked the Lord as you're going through the day, something weird comes up and you're kind of scratching your head? Have you ever thought, Lord, give me insight into this and then help me react to it the way your spirit wants? What is God doing in the midst of the trouble I'm experiencing? Not just immediately saying, oh, help, God, get me out of this. What is God doing in the midst of the trouble? Is there something that he's doing that I could be participating with? Ask him. Is God trying to change me through this experience? Yeah, probably. He's often doing more than one thing at, a, at the same time, right? According to this letter, we've got to learn to ask these quiet, powerful questions and then act accordingly. Let's look more at that. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Man, these are hard words, aren't they? If it was us, would you really like hearing? After all the years of Calvary Baptist being a church and all the good that's been done and all of the, the giving forth of Scripture, so that we get, and then we get this letter that says, Oh, foolish Michiganders. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, that you are now being perfected by the flesh? Has the flesh ever perfected anything? It seems more like the flesh makes a mess of everything. Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Did you receive the Spirit by following the law? Galatians 3, 
23 through 25. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Hmm. In this sense, we are all the same. It doesn't feel that way because we make distinctions between people. We lift up one and put down another. Not in God's eyes. We are all the same. We have to act on what is true. We all struggle to hold on to what's true and make the decisions about our daily life based on that truth. And sometimes it it seems so simple, so obvious. Yeah, of course. Then there are other times when it's not so simple and we need to exercise our faith that what we read in Scripture is true and so I am going to act on that. Is it true? A lot of people today saying, oh, you think it's true, but it's not. Really? Because Jesus Christ, our Lord, died and rose again there's the key, rose from the dead to prove his words. No one else has done that. You can trust what I say because when I said I would die and I would rise again, I did. You can trust me. Try to get that kind of guarantee out of anybody else promoting a new gospel. We believe because his actions were consistent with his words. Moving on to Galatians 5. I'm going to do the rest of the book in like four minutes. Verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For freedom, he set us free. We're already free. Don't be deceived by some new gospel. And here's a funny thing. For the Galatians, it was them having to deal with Jesus plus something else. In their case, circumcision. So often for us now, it's Jesus. The question is Jesus minus some things. You going to accept that new gospel? Well, Jesus, yeah, but he was only a man. Yeah, Jesus is good. But you also need to fill in the blank. You need to not believe every book of the Bible. You need to not believe these verses because we've decided they, they probably weren't written that way in the beginning anyway. You just need to believe me. So whether it's Jesus plus or Jesus minus, 
Don't go either way. They both lead to a ditch. Stay on the road. In trying to be justified the law or doing other things, we will be alienated from Christ. Aye, aye. You, <laughs> five, seven. Here's one. It, there are so many great phrases in this book. I'm skipping over really great thoughts. But I know that you have one of these at home or with you here in your hand. You can read about those too. We're going to verse 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Another version says, uh, you were running well. Who cut in on you? Has anybody been cutting in on you? That's one of the takeaways for this week's message. Has anyone been cutting in on you? Spend time with the Lord this week. Ask him to help you identify the people or the activities in your life who are undermining your faith. It's a, it's a different question to say, uh, maybe you're doing things that really aren't of value. Maybe you should skip. No, I'm talking about things that are literally undermining your faith. Are you participating with them? Maybe you shouldn't do that because they or those activities or that particular person is trying to undermine your faith, trying to alienate you from Jesus. Do what it takes to stay in the race. It's the only race that counts. Most everybody in this room is old enough to know that, man, that is really true. Galatians 5, 16 through 21 but I say to you, walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the problem is I'm not walking in step with the Spirit consistently. Because boy, do I struggle with the flesh. This is true. Do what's true. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do in Christ. They're against each other. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Huh? I don't have to wash my feet before I come into church. So many things that are of the law that we don't have to worry about now. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Each one of those items could probably be the topic of a sermon all by itself. Are there people in your life that tempt you to slide into any of those? Not on Sunday, but on 
Friday night and Saturday? Be careful. Do you like to have your biblical principles pure and simple? Grab a hold of this. Live by the Spirit. The concept is not difficult, right? We have the Spirit in us, right? Live by the Spirit. Wait a minute. I hear someone saying, You just said we have freedom that we don't have to pay attention to the religious rules. Yep. This freedom that Jesus died for does not equal, I get to do whatever I want because I'm not living by the law. That's right. We don't have to worry about the religious rules. We do have to focus our attention on the spirit of God and obeying him. You see, the confusing part is that according to Jesus, the essence of the law of Moses was about loving God and loving your neighbor. Sound familiar? Jesus has defined that as good. Even very good. Even the essential foundation. But God wants his children who will follow him not just the rules. Do not be tempted to turn your Christianity into a list of rules that you have to follow. Don't do it. Are there things that God says stay away from? Yeah, definitely. But we're going to focus on the fruits of the Spirit. The, The things in verses 19 through 21 are still offenses to God. He doesn't want us to live that way. So the Spirit of God will not lead us to do those things. You mean I can trust the Spirit? Mm -hmm, Yeah. He will not lead you to do those things. Instead, he'll lead us to do the things in verse 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Have you ever taken a minute to just sit down with the Lord and ask him, Lord, do you see all of these in me? Or are some of these fruits of the Spirit, is that an area I need to work on? Probably none of us will get a perfect passing grade. There's always things we can work on. Galatians so rich when Ginny and I lived with the Arabs in Saudi Arabia we learned a few useful Arabic words one in particular sounds just like its meaning mushkala mushkala I went to work today And the whole place was one giant mushkala. Let's admit it, we mess up and sometimes we make a great big mushkala of things. It's just a mess. Nothing's going right. Everything I intended for it to be didn't turn out. Galatians 6, 7 
through 10, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever, whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So if we sow to the flesh, we get mushkalas. If we sow to the spirit, we get spiritual fruit. Let's make sure that Calvary Baptist Church of Battle Creek is known for our faithful following of Jesus and our love for one another and knowing that this place is temporary assignment for us. Do you live that way? This is temporary life for us. There's more. Let's choose to allow God to work on us and change us so that we in word and in deed, look like Jesus, and we bear much fruit. So let's live free and stand firm.